0: Hey folks, this is Kevin. On this week's episode of Risk, you'll hear Will Clegg. My
1: dad reaches into his pocket and he pulls out a little plastic baggie and he says it's either spices for spaghetti sauce or marijuana. But what I can't tell him is that it actually is spices for spaghetti sauce in that bag.
0: (laughs) That and more. But before that, have you ever thought of suggesting to your employer or whoever heads up any sort of team or group you might be a part of, that a customized storytelling workshop from the Story Studio is an amazing way to do team building and for everyone involved to practice communicating more dynamically, more persuasively, more memorably. Stories are how we move people, sometimes move people to take action. They're how we get others to not just intellectually understand what we're pursuing, but to feel it. And at thestorystudio.org, our workshops get rave reviews every single time. Businesses like Amazon, Johnson & Johnson, Marriott Hotels, the BET Network, so many have told us that no one else's workshops are as practical and helpful. And you can find us at thestorystudio.org. kids this is risk the show where people tell true stories they never thought they dare to share i'm kevin allison we just heard a bossa nova style cover of the risk theme song uh, this one by drood and this behind me now is bip boop, boop no boop bip and dose one beepity bobity boop we're calling this week's episode Devious. There's some con artistry and some teenage drug deals going down in this one. But there's also something very special that we're putting on Patreon this week, patreon.com/slash risk. I recorded a new check-in. I know it's been a it's been a while, but I'm really excited about this one because. It is just loaded. It's chock full of behind-the-scenes revelations. I mean, we've been doing, you can tell, we've been doing a lot of experimenting with risk recently. But we've also been doing a lot of brainstorming on possibilities for things to try in the future. So I was really honest and kind of revealing about our creative journey here, my own creative journey, my own professional possibilities, I'm thinking of pursuing that would kind of go hand-in-hand with Risk. Juicy news, so I'm curious to hear what Risk listeners might think. Uh, So we're going to make this particular Patreon check-in free. You uh, you, you can access it even if you're not a member at patreon.com slash risk. (laughs) But while you're there, maybe consider becoming a member and if you'd ever like to make a one-time donation that is at paypal.me slash risk show now in a little bit we're gonna hear from will clegg we finally got will clegg on the show he produces the storytelling show awkward teenage years at under saint mark's in new york But before that, the amazing musician Sophia Fern Brown is back on the show. She was amazing the first time. She's amazing this time. We're going to hear her singing in just a bit, too, right after we hear a story she told at a recent Risk live show in Los Angeles. So here is Sophia now with a story we call The Whole Enchilada.
4: Who here has done anything weird for money? I get like a woo or like a Okay, okay. So I'm an I'm an artist, actress, entertainer, and I take little jobs just to make money here and there until I get a real one or until I get signed or until I can cut my EP or get a movie one day so i found myself really struggling after i got back from mexico i'm doing this fellowship and not knowing exactly what i want to do after i graduated in 2020 and i found myself praying with my friend on the phone just hoping for a miracle and the next day i get a call from a guy named sam Milansky, and he worked for live nation uh, he was working for an artist, and R for a guy named Doctor Malik. Never heard of him before in my life. Looked him up, and he had a few YouTube hits and a few songs. Not really my type of music. I mean, it was R and B, but it wasn't necessarily good. Um, <laughs> but I was I was okay with being like a seat filler, which is what the job was. And I've heard of that before. You basically you get a ticket, and then you get paid. just to come, or $250. Um, And every single person that you brought was an extra $250. And it was in my hometown, and I was like, this this sounds like a a stack of money that I can make right now. I can take all my trips, I can make this video. I was really excited. Um, I was taking everything with a grain of salt, and I talked to him for a few days like a day, or two maybe, um, like really a few hours, uh, before I signed the contract <laughs> that said, I will be at this concert. And it was only $10, so I was like, I can go, and if I make you know $200 off of that, that's really cool, and it's just right here. But he was like, if you add more people, you can get more money. So I started adding more people, and the tickets like went up to like $20, so it ended up being $200 out of my bank account, but I'd make about, somehow went up to $4,000. And I was just hoping that like this is um, this is everything to me. This is everything I need. And he's learning about me. I was like, well, let me use this opportunity. I'm like, I'm an artist too. You work for Live Nation. He's like, yeah. He's like, let me hear your music. I send him my music. I show him the videos I just made, and he's like, wow, you're really dope. Like, I really want to send this to my producers and the people I work with. Um, I'm more behind the scenes, but I think this this could work out for you and you know I'm trying to get him where I fit in so not only this like I'm trying we're doing tip for tat. he's using me for something I'm gonna use him for something and he's like well what's your Instagram and I, I told him and then he saw it and he's like oh my god you such a bad bitch I was like right yeah. and he was like first thing like are you do you have a, a boyfriend and I was just like well like um let's not like Box in but like I, I, I'm talking to somebody right now, but like, like they don't talk to me at all. Um, so like, fuck him. And you know he was, he's actually a, becoming a doctor or whatever. He's like, you know what, you should really be with someone like me. Uh, like we would be perfect together. Like our signs match. Like what are you? What's your sign? Oh, my sign is like the, the, the perfect you know match for that one. And I was like, no, it's not. Like and he was like, if you could tell me like one thing about yourself. And if I, he started playing games with me and wondering if he could take me on a date when he saw me. And I was like, well, when am I going to see you? And he was like, well, how about I come down to Oakland for the show? And I was like, oh, you come down? He was like, yeah, or, or maybe if you come up to L.A. Like, I live out here if you need a place, because I was trying to go to school. And he was like, well, this is really going to help you, like, pay for your schooling and your artistry, and I'm really excited to help you. And I was like, yeah, I'm really excited to work with you. And he's like, yeah, maybe we can, like, you know, fall in love. I was like, you know what, maybe, like... Uh, <laughs> And I was like, wow, I'm going to find, like, money, love, and, like, passion. This is all going to work out for me. And, you know, I was really excited to meet him. So I was like, let me make sure to secure the bag. Because it should have just been, I signed the contract. um, He learns about my artistry. He, like, he knows who I am. And then, boom, it's done. But I needed to secure this. So I was flirting with him. I was just kind of making sure that he liked me, and he was, at a point of time, he told me that, you know, he, he really almost was in love with me, and I don't know how he got to that point over the phone, but in this, in this industry, like, you have to have people adore you in order to go somewhere, which is unfortunate, but also, I wasn't planning on doing anything, but I'm, I'm willing to, you know, like, make someone feel good. Um, not in that way, <laughs> at least, like, through my words. And so we're talking every single day, day and night he 's calling me he's like "You're my favorite person. I would like really like like i 'm talking to somebody, but like I guess like we could stop like I, I was going to stop my whole life for this man sam and he 's like i'm so excited to see you. So I got about ten people to come. I paid about two hundred dollars. It was the last of my um, refund money and I was really excited to make this check. Um, and I convinced like a bunch of people that this is legit. I looked up Dr. Malik. it might not be a fun concert, but at least we're all gonna get paid. Because every person that also came got 250. And, you know, he says things to me like, you know, I would talk to you every single day. I just I just want to be with you. Like, you're really the most beautiful person. Like, you have such a, a pure soul. And, you know, let me tell you about your artistry. Like, you say you're an actress as well, right? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, you should stop because actors are liars. And I'm like, but, like, massive stretch. Because, like, I mean, there is a fine line between delusion and being an actor. And whether you're reading off the script or taking it off the script. And that's not me. But I see where people can get to that point. And he's telling me how to be an actor, how to be an artist, how to blow up, how how to shape my Instagram and just to to be the person he wanted to shape me to be. So we're having these in-depth conversations. I'm just taking so much time out of my life with him and I hate it. My friends hear about him, like they're like, have you seen him? I'm like, yeah, like we FaceTimed, like it was, it was, like, kind of dark, but, like, we FaceTimed, and we talked a lot, um, but I think, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of falling for him. Um, I don't fall for anybody, but I was really just falling for the dream that he was selling me, and so fast forward. We get to the event. I bring about 10 friends, and I'm texting him, like, where you at? And he's like, oh, I'm just driving down the 5 right now with my friends. Um, we'll be there soon. Like, we're going to be a little bit late, and I was like, okay, fuck, like, what am I getting myself into? Like, who is this guy? Like, but I'm like, he's going to help me grow there's a line down the block and we get in and at the moment I was like all right see you soon and he stops texting me and then Dr. Malik pulls up and he doesn't look at anybody he doesn't acknowledge anyone and all my friends are like oh Dr. Malik you're the famous Dr. Malik and he doesn't look at nobody and you think if you're like a new artist you would acknowledge your fans but no he just walked in with these like Big ass jacket and these big ass glasses and this stupid ass bucket hat, and <laughs> he looked like PJ from like the Goofy movie, and his friends, <laughs> his friends looked like Eddie Ed and Eddie but like fake for Zajion. So I'm like getting a little skeptical, but um, we walk through and I'm like I got the tickets, like the ten tickets. This was like the most important part. I had them printed out and I got my friends a little lit, so they weren't really caring about anything. But I'm, I'm like sweating, <laughs> and I go up to the front and the lady was like, all right. Let See your IDs. I'm like, okay, cool. What what about my tickets though? And she was like, oh, we don't need to see the tickets. I was like, what? What does that even mean? Like, it just didn't make sense so I go in and it's, it's packed the openers are like dope Bay Area artists and Sam was like when I was talking to him on the phone he's like oh I don't know any of the artists like E40 like who is E40 I was like mm, that should have been red flag number one you don't know E40 um, he's like and I've never been to Oakland like okay you're just like and you're from Orange County I don't know like it's all red flags and <laughs> And then I go in And then Dr. Malik comes on And I'm telling you when He walked in Everyone just left Even all my friends left And I, I told one person To stay with me Just to the end Just to see You know I want to see Sam And I'm watching him And like They're trying to just get Footage of everybody And then um, It ends well, let me just tell you about this performance real quick, because it was shit. Um, <laughs> he, I'm pretty sure he forgot, like, half of his songs. Um, his background singers were toned up, and I think he got his dancers from, like, Craigslist or off Hollywood Boulevard. I'm not really sure, um, because nothing was really hitting right. And it's like he was trying to be, like, a fake Drake hotline bling. I, was like, I, don't, I wasn't fucking with it, but I was I was faking it. Like, they might be recording me, so I'm just going like, to act like, you know, I like this. And it ends, there's a meet and greet, and I was like, okay, should I meet this dude? And we're waiting, and then all the security people were being really weird. Mind you, one of his songs, he's always talking about like Balenciaga and everything, and he's, and he's like mouthing stuff, and he's trying to sing his song, like doing acapella with everybody. And one of his song lyrics were, uh, Fendi, Louie, Balenciaga, you can get the whole enchilada. And he kept saying that, and I was like, just kept being reminded why I'm here for the money. Um, and uh, so I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and, and, and Sam doesn't show up. You know, I wanted to meet with him just to see where is this man, Sam, that you work with. But he kept looking at me, Dr. Malik, and I'm like, we're making eye contact like like, like he knew me. And But I was like, nah, I'm not going to talk to him. He probably just like, I'm cute or whatever. And I text Sam the next day, like, hey, is everything okay? Like... You know, I know the five can get really dangerous driving down. And he was like, yeah, everything's fine. I'm just in the ER right now. I was like, wait, what? How is is everything fine? And he was like, yeah, like, I'm in Fresno, um, which was like kind of like three hours from Oakland. And I was like, damn, like, I'm going to go check. I kind of care for him. You know, I'm like, what happened? Um, I broke my neck. I got in a car accident and I lost a tooth. And I was like, that's just so specific. I was like that's really interesting. Um right when I need my money all of a sudden you're just broken. But I'm like I'm not I'm not a heart I'm not a heartless bitch or whatever. So I'm like trying to be very compassionate, empathetic and shit. And I'm like, "Oh, it sucks." you got my money, though? I like, but, <laughs> and he's like, Sophia, like, you got to understand that, like, I'm going through a lot right now, da, da, da. I was like, okay, okay, let me stop, let me stop. What, what ER are you at? And he was like, I don't know, somewhere in Fresno. I was like, okay, just tell me the name, you know, I'm, I'm going to pull up. And um, he wouldn't tell me, so I called every single ER in Fresno. Because I just wanted to see him. I wanted to see him broken. Because um, <laughs> at this point, like, I, was, I was always feeling something was fishy, but I just needed to see. And I asked him to send me a picture, and he was like, oh, my phone broke in the, the accident. Of course it fucking broke, right? So I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Okay, well, I hope you get better. Damn, your neck really broke? That's crazy. Um... <laughs> So I ended up just giving him a few days like just to recover, and he was like, okay, yeah, I'll probably be out of here in three, four days. I was like, you broke your neck.
3: <laughs>
4: how are you about to be out in three, four days? Okay. Um, <laughs> and then he calls me, and then he's just like, hey, like," I was like, how are you talking with a broken neck? <laughs> I just don't even understand nothing's adding up I was like can you can you can I see through your tooth like what's 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 going on with the tooth I just want to see a picture send me something and he's like just give me like a few more days like there's a two-week grace period before you get paid and I was like I understand I gave him the week I was real cool about it and the second week came along and I was like okay like you know how are you he's like I'm back home now like okay we can figure things out I'm like it's just interesting that like there's nobody that can like handle this if something like this happens like there should be like a ma- I was like where's your manager and he's like oh like you know they're they're worried about other things like there's some fraud that was going on I was like fraud I was like the only fraud is you I was like what's what is going on and he's trying to just sell me all of these lies I was like what happened to us like like running off together and like falling in love and like you know like being I was being I was gonna be the top artist you told me you could like make me into something I mean I was also at a very desperate time and I was just wanted to believe anything. Everything was a Disney movie, and it, this is just one of those ugly, ugly endings. And the last day came, and I was like, "Okay, this is the last day of the two weeks." And I just texted him, "You ain't shit." <laughs> and before I was going to send my long ass message of like, "You motherfucker, you would," the, 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 he blocked me. I was like. I knew that was coming. And I only lost $200, technically. But, like, that's a lot when you're broke. And I was like, I need to get this back somewhere or another. Like, I'm going to find Sam Malansky. I'm going to get my goons. And we're going to go to L.A. (laughs) But I just also knew it was something deeper than that. And I look up the story of Dr. Malik. uh, And it was a Dr. Malik scandal. And I was like, okay, this wasn't there before. Because everything was just... In the fine print, everything was perfect, and it said like the last quote from somebody was that like oh everyone had the same Sam Milansky or this other name or this other name, and the last person said like they believed that it was Doctor Malik is Sam Milansky, and I was like. Mm, you know, I started to think back, and like, our conversations were like he would always just talk about Dr. Malik and how like his sign and like what he did and how he'd be a perfect match for me and how he would like want to bang you so bad. And I'm like, that's just not like what people say, especially if like you're trying to get at me. Like, why would you talk about your friend like that? But and I'd always call him like Dr. Doolittle, and I was like, I don't want this, thank you. And like, you know, and he was just like, oh, like no, he would really want you. He was, like, you really don't like him. And I was like, yeah, no, like I, I, I want you, Sam Malansky, and. Then I start saying his name over and over again, Lansky, It sounds like Mike Wazowski from like <laughs> <laughs> what was that movie? Uh, Monster Inc. Monsters Inc. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I'm like, this is just like he's definitely been watching a lot of Disney movies, and I'm thinking I'm in a Disney movie. Like, wow, it's, it's all just coming to fruition. And then I hear his voice on an interview, Doctor Malik's voice, and it was literally the same exact voice. And I was like, how did I not catch that? I, mean, I was, I was not here. I was not here. And then, what really sealed the deal for me was, um, I was on TikTok, and it was like, oh, suggested contact, Dr. Malik. I was like, I don't have a doctor. Oh my God, I got to talk to Malik in my phone. And he was in the palm of my hands that night, and I could have just strangled him, but I didn't. <laughs> but I didn't. And I could have done the meet and greet. I could have taken his jacket. I don't know. I just want, I wanted something that was worth the value. And... I was devastated once I found that out. It was almost, like, worse than it being just a random person because he was just right there. And everybody, he did it to everybody. Just fooling, buffoon, buffoonery, buffoonery, buffoonery. Everybody in the audience. And, like, honestly, kudos. It's a great scam if you don't care about being an artist. And then I looked up an article actually recently, and he did it at Catch One LA. He did it at... um Another spot, like, uh, in L.A. as well. And so he's just, like, a serial scammer of an artist. And somehow he's big because he has, like, oh, Tory Lanes and he signed an OVO, all lies. And then I found out that he has, like, three counts on him. And he's getting sued by a bunch of companies. And he changed his name twice. So I'm like, where was all of this information when I was fucking with him? <laughs> so, you know, I just hope that... um. I mean, especially the stories out there. Like, I mean, clearly he's been um, hurting a lot of people. I don't know if he ever got as far as he did with me. I thought I was different. I thought maybe, like, even if you're scamming these people, like, we're Bonnie and Clyde. Like, we can work. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah, clearly not. So I'm going to find him. And I'm going to get what I deserve um, soon. (laughs) But I'm not threatening anybody, guys. (laughs) Okay, Don't tell on me. Um, But, um... Yeah, moral of the story if it's too good to be true, don't trust it. And um, if you get a doctor's note, read the fine print. I can't take no
0: more fake shit. Peace of mind on no vacation. Light it and let me face it. Risk. Folks, if you like good old-fashioned true crime mysteries, if you like stories where you feel like you're a detective finding clues, June's Journey is the name of this new game that you can play on your iPhone or your Android. You are uncovering the mystery of June's sister's murder. It's this well-to-do family in the 1920s living in a Great Gatsby-like mansion. Each scene uncovers new aspects of the story. Some parts are in New York. Some parts are in Paris. There's all kinds of objects you're finding and trying to assess whether they're meaningful or not. You collect information, filling out your own photo album, and you're keeping track of all the characters. There's romance, there's scandalous family secrets. It feels like a really fun play or movie. And I've only made it through like five scenes, but I am told you could crack the case. All you need is an internet connection and downloading on iOS or Android. So discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Smoking typical pot usually produces mind-altering or hallucinogenic experiences. The unfortunate person who gets started in this finds himself getting into an
4: ever-increasing abyss, where he starts out with the idea, I'll have a kick or a high,
0: and that'll do something for him. Well, uh, it's true. These things do have a kick, or obviously people wouldn't try them. But there are other reasons not to smoke
3: marijuana or to take dangerous drugs. Possession of them is illegal. It is not, as many seem to believe today, an unenlightened
1: law. I'm 14 years old, and I'm sitting in my childhood home on the couch across from my parents. It's just after dinner, and they've just sent my little brother and my little sister straight up to their rooms because we have to have a talk. So I know I'm in trouble, right? Uh, I don't know what kind of trouble just yet. I've been getting in a lot of trouble these last couple of years. So, uh, So they're sitting there, furrowed brows across from me. And my dad reaches into his pocket and he pulls out a little plastic baggie filled with green leaves. And he holds it up and he says, your mother and I found this in your sock drawer. And it's either spices for spaghetti sauce or marijuana. He's trying to you know, bring some levity to this moment, I guess. Uh, but what I can't tell him is that it actually is spices for spaghetti sauce in that bag. <laughs> He's holding a bag of oregano and parsley that I have made into a fake bag of weed so that I can sell and then get money for real weed. Um, <laughs> I can't tell them this, right? I don't want them to know that I'm uh, like an upstart fake drug dealer. So, uh, so I just have to like, you know, sheepishly be like, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's weed. And, uh, and my dad, who's a physician, launches into this tirade about the dangers of, of smoking marijuana and what it does to your brain. And I'm just checked out. You know, I've, I've heard all this before. Like I've done the scared straight stuff at school. We had a whole quarter in health class about how dangerous pot is, but I know it's not dangerous. I mean, I've been smoking it for a year, you know, I'm an old pro at this point. And so what he's done, it's my mom's turn. Now she's been sitting there just quietly furious. And, and as soon as she gets the chance, she says, do you know, do you have any idea how much trouble we would be in? If the police came here and they raided our house and they found this, it's your dad and I that would be in trouble, not you. I've been sitting here just like taking my lumps, but I, I can't keep my mouth shut any longer. And I'm just like, why are the police raiding our house? I unless you and dad are involved in some kind of like tax evasion scheme, that's never going to happen, you know, and... I should have kept my mouth shut because uh, I think I was on the path to like a two or a three week grounding, but now uh, it's become six, six weeks grounding. So uh, as I'm stomping up the stairs to my bedroom to begin my sentence, uh, I know why my parents are so upset. I am not the teenager that they expected to have. When I was a little kid, I, I was a real classic goody two shoes. I was very nerdy. I got straight A's in school. I went to church every Sunday. I, I played all the sports. I just I did everything that my parents told me to do. But then when I got to seventh grade and a new school, everything changed. I started getting bullied for being the good, good kid. And mostly that would happen on the school bus, on the way home from school. All the seventh graders had to sit at the front of the bus, and the, and the eighth and ninth graders were in the back. And then as soon as we left the school grounds, they would rush up to the front and they would force us to participate in what they called wedgie wars. This is where two seventh graders are pitted against each other and, uh, and you have to try to give the other one a wedgie, you know, yank the other's underwear up as high as you possibly can basically until it rips and we would just sit there, you know, hoping that we weren't the one picked, but I was often the one picked because I was a, a scrawny little kid at that point and I usually lost, you know. So I would I would get home and get off the bus and crying, you know. My ass is bleeding and my underwear is ripped, and then like I have to go home and like rush straight upstairs. So I didn't have to tell anybody what happened. And this happened all throughout the year, and there and there was more at school as well. And uh, and I didn't want that to keep happening, you know. So after seventh grade, I decided the best way for me to avoid getting bullied is to like start hanging out with the bullies. So uh, this is going to require. Complete personality change. So I, I grow my hair long, and uh, and I petition my parents to get a drum set so I can join a band. I start smoking cigarettes and then experimenting with alcohol and marijuana, of course. And before I know it, I gotta I gotta sell fake weed in order to get money to buy real weed because real weed's expensive, even in 1994. You know, and and uh, I wasn't very good at selling the fake weed. To be honest, uh, it didn't occur to me that. You don't get a lot of repeat customers, you know? Uh, they figure it out pretty quick. So I don't know, maybe it was a good thing that I, that I got busted before this uh, startup got off the ground. And as I'm lying there on my bed just thinking about how I got to this place, I remember I actually do have some real weed left still in my good hiding place. Uh, it's, it's in the, uh, the bass drum of my drum kit wrapped up in a blanket. My parents will never look there until, you know, two years later. And so I decided I, decide I got I to get rid of this this last joint that I have, right. I don't, I don't want to get caught smoking it. I don't want to get caught having it. So the next day at school, I talk to one of my friends, Mary, and I tell her what's happened. And I say, I want to get rid of this joint. And she agrees to buy it from me for $5, a lot of money, you know? And, uh, and so she lives right around the corner. It's very convenient. And that night, my parents are going out and leaving me home to babysit my brother and sister. So we, we concoct a plan. And as soon as it gets dark, I sit my brother and sister down in front of the TV. We're not allowed to watch TV on weeknights, so they're just mesmerized. And they don't even hear me slip out the back door. And, and I walk down the street, and it's, you know, this is a suburban area of Charlotte, North Carolina, manicured lawns, there's no street lights. This is not a kind of place where you'd expect a teenage drug deal to be going down necessarily, but there's this, there's a house down the street that uh, it was under construction, but then they just never finished it, and that's you know, where we get into trouble. So we agreed to meet there, and I'm, I'm waiting there nervously for them to show up, and I see Mary and Jen come walking down the street, and they're with two people who I don't know. So Jen I know from school, and these other guys, I, I don't know, and they, they come up and they introduce themselves, and their names are Sammy and, and Chris, and they go to a different school, that's why I don't know them. And they look a lot like the bozos that I'm hanging out with at my school now. Like they have the huge baggy jeans, you know, and white undershirts as T-shirts and gold chains. And, and they seem nice enough. We know a lot of people in common. Whatever. I just want to get down to business, you know. So I, I give uh, Mary the, the joint. She gives me the $5. And I'm ready to go home. But then she asks, can you keep lookout while we smoke this? all right fine just be quick you know so so mary and jen they walk back behind the house to smoke the joint but sammy and chris they don't do drugs they're straight edge so they uh they stay stay to hang out with me and keep watch and we're talking you know about bands we like and girls that we think are cute and then we get to that awkward moment of silence where we don't really have anything else to say because we don't know each other at all and and then sammy says hey man can i borrow some money it's a strange request, you know, to a 14-year-old, right? Like, I don't have a job anymore. And uh, all I have, you know, is this $5 in my pocket. And I, I'm like, you know, I, I'm sorry, man. I don't, I don't have any money. I'm never going to see these guys again. Like, why would I lend them money, you know? And then, and then just then, Chris comes up behind me and he jams something into the small of my back. Then next thing I do is one of the dumbest things I've ever done in, like, a lifetime of questionable decisions. My hand is right buy this thing in my back and I just reach out with a finger and I gently touch it and I feel the cold metal barrel of a gun and I freeze and he just whispers to me hey man just be cool just give him the money okay and I reach in my pocket and I grab this crumpled up five dollar bill and I hand it over I say you don't even have to pay me back And then Mary and Jen, they start walking up from behind the house, and, uh, and I'm shaking like a leaf now, you know, and then Chris backs off, and then both of them are like, all right, just be cool, nothing happened, all right, be cool, be cool. And they start like slapping me five, like we're friends again. We're not friends, you know? But like Mary and Jen, they're so high, they can't tell that I'm so terrified, it's so dark, and, and we all just say goodbye, and I watch them walk down the street, and as soon as they're out of sight, I sprint all the way back to my parents' house. And I rush in the back door, and I go to the living room, and my brother and my sister, they're still just sitting there on the floor watching the TV. They have no idea that I've even left. Like, nothing has happened. But, like, something has definitely happened. I'm terrified still. I mean, like, what, what if that guy just pulled the trigger? Like, even if it was by accident, you know? And I don't have anybody to talk to about this. I mean, my siblings, are, they're kids, you know, and it's too late to call any of my new friends from school, and I'm like, oh, so they're they're not going to be okay with this, they're going to like call me a pussy or something, you know, it's going to be a sign of weakness, so I, and I'm not going to tell my parents, I mean, they're right now, right, like I can't tell them anything about any of this, so I, I just have to sit with it by myself all night, and I barely sleep. The next day at school, I see Mary in the hallway, and I grab her, I pull her aside, and I'm like, hey, you know, your friends, like they they robbed me, like they put a gun in my back. Like, what the fuck was that? You know, and she just starts laughing. And she's like, they don't have a gun. Like, why would you, I mean, why would you think that? I'm like, I touched it. It was a gun. Like, who, who are you hanging out with? And then she just cackles, like even louder, and says, You're crazy, and just walks away. And I'm standing there in the hallway just feeling like alone, angry and afraid, and I feel like I'm back on that fucking bus. I know I'm not that scrawny little kid anymore, but I've also just put myself into way more danger by pretending to be somebody who I'm not. I don't really know who I am yet at 14, you know, but I I know now that I gotta start figuring it out. You know, maybe then I'll find some real friends, people that I can confide in, people that maybe will protect each other. Thanks.
3: Well the blunt. Oh, La la my room until I got high <laughs> I was gonna get up and find the broom but then I got high uh, la, da, da, my room la, da, da. is still messed up and I know why why man yeah cuz I got high yeah. because I got high yeah. because I got high, yeah. I got high. Yeah. la da, da. Gonna go to class before I got high. Come on y'all. Check it Ooh-有一 out. Uh, I could have cheated and I could <duo> have uh, passed. But I got high. Uh uh. I'm taking da-da-da. it next semester and, and I know why. why-, why-, why, Man, why? Yeah, Heh, cause I got, high, I got high. Because I got high. Because you know, I got high. Go to the next one, go to the next go to the next. One, go
0: That is almost all of this week's episode, folks. This is Afro Man behind me now. And we just heard from Will Clegg, who can be found on Twitter, at Will Clegg. Before Will, we heard an interstitial by Taj Easton. He also edited Will's story. And Hope Brush edited the first story we heard by Sophia Fern Brown. We loved both Sophia's story and her song that we then heard called Free. You can check out all of her music on all platforms at Fern. That's P-H-E-R-N. And thanks as always to David Crabb in L.A. and Michelle Walson in New York for coaching our storytellers and to Cindy Freeman for casting them. Folks, don't forget, I do one-on-one coaching sessions with people online. And honestly, it's one of my very favorite things to do. It really is. I work with folks on their stories that they might be preparing for shows like The Moth or Risk, but also people working on memoirs or podcasts, wedding toasts, eulogies, essays, People prepping for job interviews or presentations. I once worked with someone prepping little anecdotes to tell at cocktail parties. I helped a doctor who was working on his bedside manner, you know, how to deliver bad news. I've worked with tour guides, trial lawyers. Once helped a fellow work on a personal essay he had to write for his parole process I've also done one-on-one sessions that were a little bit more on the life coaching side of things, right? Someone hashing out whether to move and accept a new job somewhere else. Someone in the beginning stages of transitioning and navigating coming out about their gender. Uh, Someone brainstorming on what creative project to take on next in their art career. Someone who had a scary first experience in BDSM and wanted to process that. I'm not a licensed therapist, but I certainly am a compassionate listener who has worked with hundreds of people in unpacking the most intimate or emotional moments of their lives. So, you know... Let's see. Look me up. Let's see if we can work together. Meet one-on-one. I'm at kevinallison.com. And for all things related to risk, you can find us on our socials, at Risk Show. And our website is risk-show.com. Folks, today's the day. Take a risk.
3: Stop singing this song uh, yeah. Because I'm high <laughs> <laughs> President. Uh, Baby, mm-hmm. I'm singing this whole thing wrong <laughs> yeah. Because I'm high Bring it back, high. bring it back la, la, uh. la, la, And yeah. if I don't da, la, la. sell one copy I don't know why, <laughs> why man. Yeah, yeah uh. hey, cause I'm high Cause I'm high Cause I'm high Are oh, you really high, man? He really uh. is high, man Get jiggy with it. Skippy
1: bee. I grab this crumpled up $5 bill and I hand it over. I say, You don't even have to pay me back. She agrees to buy it for $5. I give Mary the joint, she gives me the $5, and I'm ready to go home.